You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. Our goal is to help people join Jesus on a journey toward flourishing, to help people take steps to belong, believe, and then be loved like Jesus. Welcome to Garden City. We're so glad you're here. Uh, you know, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. And today we want to focus on uh, the value of, of belonging and, and ask the question, how can Jesus help turn maybe some of our hostilities that can prevent belonging? How can Jesus turn those hostilities into hospitality? In churches and in, in communities in general, you can have communities that form around focusing on who is in and who is out. And this way of focusing and building community um, creates a dynamic where People often have to believe and behave before they can belong, before they're allowed to belong to the community, to the church, to the club, to the, you know, the social. But there's another way of forming community that, that focuses on what we're moving toward, a, a shared center. And for, for us at Garden City, this is Jesus. So instead of asking who's in and who's out, we primarily focus on who's moving toward Jesus and how can we help. In this kind of community, you can belong before you believe. Right now, I want to just look for a second at the world that Jesus lived in. I think when we look at his life, we really have a model of what belonging can look like. So let's model our understanding of belonging, our way of moving from hostility into hospitality on Jesus. So Jesus lived in some wild and woolly days, divided, polarized days. Uh, They were times of tremendous change. Both technology and trade was developing rapidly. The Roman roads brought both wealth and the authoritarian power of Caesar at the same time. uh, Roman culture was also colliding with Jewish and other Greco-Roman cultures. Um, Political and social and religious tribes kind of were roiled against each other um, at times, and sparks kind of flew at times. The powerful um, exploited and demeaned the powerless in this world, and angst and unrest fomented between different cultures, different groups, and tribes. And in the midst of this is Jesus. And for us today, in the midst of this world, we enter a party in Galilee. It says this in John chapter 2, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. This was a huge community event. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, they don't have any wine. Now, uh, I want to encourage you to look at our sermon from last week to go a little bit more into this teaching, but this was a huge cultural embarrassment. Like, what family doesn't have enough wine for their daughters? Verse 4, Jesus replies, woman, what does this have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. His mother ignored him and told the servants, and do whatever he tells you. Nearby were, the, were six stone water jars used for the Jewish cleansing ritual, each able to hold about 20 or 30 gallons. These are big jars, big um, vessels. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. 
Then he told them, now draw some from them and take it to the head waiter. And they did. The head waiter tasted the water that had become wine. Jesus turned water into wine. Now the head waiter, he didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. The head waiter called to the groom and said, everyone serves the good wine first. They bring out the second rate wine when the guests are drinking freely and aren't going to notice. But you kept the good wine until now. <laughs> the groom doesn't say anything, just takes the credit. Like, yeah, yeah, we, we totally planned this. And this was the first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. You know, when, when it comes to this idea of belonging and, and creating a place where you, you don't have to behave and become and be, believe everything so that you belong. But you can belong as you believe or before you believe. I think there's a really powerful moment in this story that speaks to this. It's so important to understand that these purification barrels were used in many ways by the religious and those in, with the most power in this culture to divide who is in and who is out, who is righteous and who is unrighteous, who who should be uh, with those who deserve to be together and who should be the outcasts. And it was in these same purification barrels that divided who is clean and unclean in and out. It was this water that Jesus turned into wine. It, it was uh, out of these the same vessels um, of separation and division that Jesus used these same vessels for for wine. That was, is really a symbol of gathering and connection and belonging. Isn't it amazing that Jesus turns these water barrels, you know, the, the symbols of religious separation and smug self-righteousness into the symbol of hospitality and belonging? You know, like in every culture, there's people that, that are kind of built to, they're almost trained to be guards of the religious barriers or the religious barrels. We got to we gotta keep those lines. We got to keep the right people in and keep the bad people out. Um, guards have this mentality to keep everything pure, everything uh, right, and, uh, and to conform to the culture that you conform to the holiness, conform to the religious you know, practices, uh, conform to the, the, the social pressures so that you can really prove that you belong here. But I want to suggest that Jesus was not training his disciples to be guards of the, you know, religious barriers for people, the, the lines between people. Jesus was training his disciples to be, I think, guides toward God, guides toward um, himself. That, and imperfect guides, they didn't, you know, know everything. But, but I think that the people who have had the biggest impact on my life haven't been the ones that are like guarding some like invisible line to keep me out. Like that makes me to exclude me and exclude those I love. That, that hurts. And there's a place for for boundaries. You know, there's uh, I think for health and for good relationships, there's times that we have to sure like look to uphold some boundaries. But like barriers are for the purpose of exclusion. I think boundaries are for the purpose of health. And Jesus was. The, the people who have, have had the biggest impact on me um, modeled Jesus to me. They were uh, found ways of moving me toward something better, something good. And I, I usually find out that that was, that was something that was of God. It was something 
uh, a gift from the Spirit of God. Religious guards tend to turn God's wine of hospitality and belonging back into religious water of division and hostility. Think about that for a second. That is a total religious impulse to take the things that are unitive, things that are um, gathering, things that bring people together, um, and turn those things back into somehow a, a symbol of division. We always need to remember to bring Jesus into the room and trust his lead, or we're going to start becoming like the guards. Water can't be turned into wine if we don't let Jesus into the room, we don't see him in the room, and we can't turn our hostilities into hospitality if we don't listen and do what he says. So I just want to encourage you when it comes to belonging, to really look to Jesus, to center on him and shape your life after him. Now, here are some practices that our community has learned over the years. It's modeled after Jesus, and it's how to turn that, that water of hostility into the wine of hospitality and belonging. So, here we go. First thing, you heard me say this, is practice, 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 focusing less on the lines and more on the journey toward Jesus. Think of yourself more as a guide and less as a guard. Jesus doesn't need you to guard him or his faith. Um, he, he's got that covered. Um, we can just point people and help them move toward Jesus. Another practice that's really helpful is, uh, is creating a, an environment of spiritual inquiry and humble curiosity. That's something we really want to build here in our church. Instead of like this kind of know-it-all certitude, the search for like the, the facts and uh, all the right facts are going to like uh, prove us right. Um, I, I, f I feel like sometimes that blocks really important questions that people have. I had one friend, uh, you know, tell me that he, he, he knows such intelligent people of faith. He's a pastor. He's like some of the smartest people I know. But at some point in their life, it's like they turned off a part of their brain in Sunday school because they had the answer and they stopped thinking about it. And when they stopped thinking about it, other people couldn't think about it or even talk about it or ask questions about it. But I just think when you look at Jesus, people were asking great questions all the time. Jesus was never afraid of a good, tough question. And uh, those questions sometimes are the biggest, I think, um, doorways into understanding the kingdom in bigger ways. So creating or practicing the creation of spiritual inquiry and humble curiosity. That's a really great practice. Another one is um, the practice of listening, listening with our, our hearts before speaking. Listen well. It's really easy to kind of, in a religious setting especially, want to jump into like fixing mode, saving mode, judging mode. I think sometimes just listening, really having empathetic, compassionate listening. Um, listen well. Ask honest questions. Uh, we don't have to answer, give all, all the answers or come up with an answer or a diagnosis right away with, with people. Just listen from the heart and then share from the heart. You know, I've learned this curiosity kills contempt and it also creates compassion. So learn to listen to your own soul and to others and then to the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is doing in other people's lives. And when we listen well, um, I think that really helps create an environment of belonging and hospitality. All right, next practice is really practicing diversity and unity. 
rather than just like sameness <laughs> or selfishness. God created all kinds of people. He's created all kinds of cultures. He, he didn't just write the Bible through one person. It was a diversity of people. There's such power when we recognize the power of, uh, of diversity and unity, the, of the power of the individual and, and, and the community. And that dynamic is so powerful. We have to hold both those together. Um, and so practicing that, but putting ourselves into rooms, into spaces where we want and we expect and desire to hear other voices and learn from other perspectives is so important. And we can have unity in that. We can even, and we can learn to negotiate disagreements in that. And diversity and unity is, is a picture of the church, all the saints, all these people, broken and beautiful, um, around Jesus, centered on him, moving toward him together. Here's the next practice. Invite and include rather than judge and exclude. And now judging and excluding seems to come a little bit more naturally <laughs> for some of us, maybe not all of us. I don't want to just peg you in there, but uh, maybe that's just for me. It could be easier to, just to see what's wrong with somebody rather than what we connect with and like or appreciate. But inviting and including versus just judging and excluding, that, that creates belonging if we can just like begin inviting people into our lives. So simply do it. If you're not like, a, <laughs> you're like, I'm not extroverted. I don't like having a lot of people around me. Some of the best conversations I've had are with like hyper introverts. So do what you're gifted at. Do what you can do. Um, begin just building that muscle of a life of invitation and inclusion. In- invite the people in your life to further invitation, like invite them further, Um, eat together, parties, (laughs) um, just places where you can um, maybe connect heart to heart or have fun. Um, When we're rubbing shoulders, you know, rubbing shoulder to shoulder, that's when I think we grow and and we experience belonging. And I would add like, again, gather people with differing and sometimes contrary convictions to your own. Remember, creating a place of belonging before belief rests on the reality that acceptance doesn't equal agreement. You don't have to agree with everybody to accept them. We got two more. Here's the second to last. Laughter and creativity as a practice rather than just grim conformity. You know what I mean? Like by grim conformity, sometimes they're, they're like religion can become this like overly solemn kind of grim thing. And, and it's everything's best if we're all in conformity and we don't think differently. And it's not fun. We can't have fun. Man, I think Jesus, when you read his parables, his stories, he was not only mildly hilarious, he was really hilarious with how he would just present himself and challenge people and and just the scenarios that um, that his stories would tell that would just, I think, open people's eyes. We got to have laughter. We got to have joy and creativity, not just this grim, um, you know, type of, type of uh, religiosity. Here's the last practice I wanted to mention that we found so, so helpful. And this is a healing practice. And this is to restore and return rather than just run away and divide from each other. Uh, In this world, the last few years, you you see a lot of running and dividing from each other. But the Jesus community is a community that when it's at its best, it does its best to return and restore each other to what's healthy um, to what's right, what's safe. You know, sometimes there are boundaries we do need to put up, but we're, we're pursuing the health of restoration and return. We promote unity this way. We can heal relationships. We can heal our own <laughs> hearts that have been broken by pursuing this rather than staying in a state of bitterness. 
Um, we can just cut out gossip and conflict and unnecessary um, areas of broken relationships just by pursuing restoration and return. I'd like to just close on this on this practice. There's a an image from Scripture that I think is so cool, and it's so connected to the, the start of Jesus' ministry. It was at the Lord's Supper, the, the Passover uh, Supper, where Jesus gathered his disciples before his death on the cross, and he used bread and wine as the symbol for his community, the symbol of belonging, radical hospitality. You know, the wine that he had started his ministry with and uh, was had marked his ministry to sinners and saints and parties and inclusion and bringing people in. Like Jesus ate with sinners. He hung out with outcasts. He hung out with the religious and he brought them all together. And there was a lot of uh, gathering around bread and wine. Now with the disciples, it was this moment of gathering them together at this last supper where the disciples after this meal actually divided and ran away. It's easy to forget that. You can almost think like, oh, communion was this brilliant moment and everything was great, and they went and conquered, conquered the world. No, after Jesus had this, the, the Last Supper with them, he died, and they ran. I think this is really important to remember in this story. It wasn't until the water of the world was turned into God's wine of love on the cross. Jesus was crushed on the cross like a grape and then was turned into wine for the world. It wasn't until after his death that the disciples were drawn back together. So there's almost this rhythm of being human, this rhythm of dividing and uniting, this rhythm that we kind of like, maybe it's a thing that we have to learn through, uh, this rhythm of hostility to hospitality, and then hostility to hospitality, and dividing and uniting, that we slowly are learning and creating this more beautiful wine of community. We sometimes maybe require a crushing and an aging that slowly creates a community of oneness. It wasn't until after Jesus was crushed that slowly God created the community of healing, love, and belonging. Guys, I love you so much. I want to encourage you to, to join in on building this vision in our church. We can't, I, I can't do this on my own. <laughs> a few of us can't just do this on our own. We all have to, to, to live into this vision and these practices together. So my question for you is, which practice spoke to your heart the most and which practice are you going to um, spend time developing in your life? Love you so much. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.